Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. This week we have been looking at the sovereignty of God. And let me just go ahead and throw this uh, book recommendation out to you. If you don't have this book, there's a classic book done a number of years ago called The Sovereignty of God by A.W. Pink. I think it's uh, hope in my mind anyway, a, a Christian classic as far as dealing with this uh, subject. Now, in that book, this is what he has said about God's sovereignty. Quote, to say that God is sovereign is to declare that God is God. To say that God is sovereign is to declare that he is the most high, doing according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth so that none can stay his hand or say unto him, what doest thou? To say that God is sovereign is to declare that he is the Almighty, the possessor of all power in heaven and earth, so that none can defeat his counsels, thwart his purpose, or resist his will. To say that God is sovereign is to declare that he is the governor among the nations, setting up kingdoms, overthrowing empires, and determining the course of dynasties that please him best. To say that God is sovereign is to declare that he is the only omnipotent, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Such is the God of the Bible, end quote. Now, this week we have seen that God is neither fatalistic nor is God one who takes risks and whose future is undermined. God unconditionally reigns over every affair on planet Earth, ordaining all that transpires, and yet man is accountable for his sin. Now, this Today, we're just going to wrap this whole study up, and we're going to see the practical and precious applications of this doctrine of the sovereignty of God. So, brothers, why is God's sovereignty such a precious and practical doctrine? Hmm. Well, if I, if I could just uh, make, a, make a beginning at, a, at an answer to that, Josh. Um, first of all, um, the, the doctrine of the sovereignty of God is precious, not simply because it is satisfying to the human heart, even though it is, and I'm going to get to that in a minute. Uh, but it's precious because it's biblical. It's precious first and foremost because it's faithful to what God has revealed in his word as as his word is fulfilled in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, all, all of the Bible makes sense around that central teaching of the Bible uh, that God is sovereign over over all things, and that our the, in, even in the midst of that, our decisions are very real. Uh, it's not, as you say, it's not a, a fatalism that simply erase, erases all uh, human human will and decision. Uh, so, first of all, it, it's 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 precious because it's faithful to what God has revealed. But secondly, I, I would say, and and that it's precious because it is so satisfying to the human heart, mm-hmm. um, that it, it makes sense of the cross 
and it shows us the, the preciousness of the cross uh, that that God in in His sovereign will came among us and used human rebellion to work, used the human rebellion and evil to put His Son on the cross to work our redemption. Yeah. And so that God's sovereignty in that great, the central miracle of, of all human history, uh, God's sovereignty at work in that is most precious and most satisfying and, and not to be surrendered. In that, in that particular instance, um, we see comfort, but we also have comfort in, in our day-to-day. We live in a in a world. We live in a community. We live in our, you know, even our own families where we have chaos and unpredictability in all of life. And this doctrine becomes very important to us. If there's no sovereign God directing all things, we're without hope in this world, and life has no transcendent meaning. But if the only wise God is truly in control and absolute over everything that happens in the universe, we know that even those apparently random circumstantial events have a purpose and that he can work all things together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. And so it's very practical. You know, I have a plaque that simply reads all things that sits in my office. It's a reminder of that comfort that every little thing has been filtered through his hands and comes to me through the hands of God and that he's working all these things out for my good and his glory. And so I have confidence in in a God who controls everything. He can use wickedness to further his plan. He can, you know, you know if, if not, then evil would be free from his rule. But we know that evil is under his rule, and, and we can be sure of his final victory. And so, uh, you know, I know that God, it just brings me back to the all things. All things is a comforting thing to me. Yeah. yeah. And uh, if I could just add, add to that, Jonathan, that as a pastor, the doctrine of the sovereignty of God, coupled with, with the goodness of God mm-hmm. and the mercy of God, as a pastor, in any situation where I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with uh, a believer uh, or a church member, um, I can always ask, because we know the sovereignty of God and the goodness of God, I can always ask, what is God doing in this? Mm-hmm. No matter how dark it may look at this moment, no matter how painful it may be at this moment, your heart may be breaking, but we can ask, ask it with hope. What is God doing? What, what is God working for good in this moment? And even if I don't know the answer to that question, I know that he is working yes, together for that's good. Right. And, it, and this is the case, you know, I mean, I, we've... We haven't referred to it yet, but, you know, Genesis chapter 50, you know, you talk about Joseph. You know, Joseph who's, uh, you know, he's sold by his brothers into slavery, uh, uh, and he ends up in Egypt. And we think of all the things that happened there. And at the very end, Joseph is assuring his brothers uh, of, of their pardon, stating the lesson his life teaches us. God overrides the intents and deeds of wicked men to bring about good. Um, so he does this for our good. He he said, "You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good." And his this words the, were very choice. He said, "God meant it 
for good. Yeah, yes. he meant, meant it. He it meant good. these things he, to happen. Yeah, he was in control of that, yeah. of all those events. And mm-hmm. you know, if you haven't read the story, you know, you just go to Genesis uh, and those closing chapters of Genesis. Yeah. yeah, you know, the reality is that all the great and deep issues of life really come to an apex at the cross of Christ. And when it comes to deep and difficult things like uh, explaining the sovereignty of God, explaining our free agency and responsibility as humans, explaining the love of God, these things, you know, we want God to give us a propositional explanation. But how many times have we been faced with trying to explain something very difficult to understand? And our way of going about it is to say, well, let me show you Instead of giving you a bunch of words, let me, let me draw you a picture. Let me show you. That's the way God is answering us again and again in the Bible. We keep saying, explain it. And God keeps saying, would you pay attention to what I am showing you? I'm giving you something better than an explanation because if I explained it, you wouldn't understand it anyway. Yeah. And he does that ultimately at the cross of Christ. And there, you think about it, it is the wickedest act of human history, indeed the wickedest act possible. It is as close as we can come to actually killing God. Mm -hmm. And he takes that wickedest act of human history, which really was the wickedest act possible, and at the same time makes it the most benevolent, loving act of human history by the intentionality of God. And in the scenario leading up to it, you know, Pilate and Herod and the Sanhedrin and the Gentiles, everybody, you got all these moving parts. I mean, Pilate and Herod are both politicians, and they didn't like one another. They hated one another Mm -hmm. until that day. They became friends on that day of all days, and that just shows that behind all of this human's decision-making, Satan is manipulating. He's manipulating these two politicians to bring them together, and yet in and through, over and under all of that, God is sovereignly working to bring about the salvation of the world. I mean, that's the sovereignty of God right there. Yeah. If you know, Look at the picture. Quick trying to state it in propositional terms, quit trying to explain how it works and be thankful that it works. And because God is sovereign, we are true free agents. We make our own decisions for our own reasons. Now, our sin hems us in. Our sin is what makes us slaves, but it doesn't take away free agency. Mm -hmm. Because God is sovereign, we're free. The sovereign God has saved us In Christ, the sovereign God guarantees us the most precious and personal promises possible, that he works all things together for good, Mm -hmm. that if Christ is for us, who can be against us, that there is no created thing, not life, not death, not not angels or principalities, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. All of those tremendous promises in Romans chapter 8 are predicated on the sovereignty of God particularly as shown through the giving of his son on the cross. They all flow from uh, Paul's great statement of God's sovereignty leading up to that promise that he works all things together for our good. Mm -hmm. So it is the sovereignty of God as set forth in the Bible, shown to us in the Bible, that's the basis for all of what we consider to be most precious Mm -hmm. as Christians. Mm -hmm. It is not our enemy. It is Mm -hmm. our friend. Amen. Yeah. 
not only does it bring us comfort in knowing that God is in control of even the the hardest times in our life. I mean, uh, isn't one of the verses that we often use to comfort people is that um, all things work together for the good for those who are called for those who love God. And uh, but let me offer one more thing for me as a pastor. I really believe that it's this doctrine that has really kept me from being a, a theological liberal. And what I mean by that, I think it should be applicable to all all Christians. Your heart was made for God. Augustine once said that thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. And if you are looking at a God who's simply just a superhuman, who's made a little bit better than you, a little bit stronger than you, a little bit wiser than you, that is not a God who can who can keep you loving him and adoring him and admiring him. It's when I look at this God, this sovereign God, where my heart is captivated because there's no, there's no end to this, how deep this rabbit hole goes. I mean, Ecclesiastes says uh, he has put eternity into man's heart yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. And it's this God that keeps on drawing me back to right. my study. And the mm-hmm. sovereignty of God in, in the way it's presented in the Bible it's not something that makes God impersonal or makes our salvation impersonal. No, it's what guarantees the personalness of God and the personalness of his salvation to us. It is God's sovereignty that assures us that Christ did not die to save some nameless, faithless, hypothetical group of people, but he died for actual persons in particular. It is, it's the sovereignty of God in his love as shown in salvation that enables us to to say with Paul, the Son of God loved me and gave himself for me. It's it's that that enables us to know as a Christian, when Christ died, he knew your name. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the the sovereignty of God also gives us hope. Mm -hmm. Uh, It gives us hope that this world is not spinning out of control uh, and that our end is undetermined. Uh, The sovereignty of God uh, gives us gives us hope that well yeah i think it was billy graham who once said i've read the back of the book god wins amen amen well this is that's a perfect place to stop this is the gospel for life thanks for listening tune in next week as we address the love of god talk to you next time 